Welcome to The Loop with Stan Guthrie. As an author and communicator, Stan offers a critical and often humorous look at the day's issues, all from a distinctly Christian perspective. From his home studio in Chicagoland, where it snows far too often for his tastes, Stan cheerfully takes on all comers in a culture that is losing its mind without losing his. And now, here is Stan Guthrie. In 1984, George Orwell wrote these words, Every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book rewritten, every picture has been repainted, every statue and street building has been renamed, every date has been altered, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. Now that's a horrifying vision from a dystopian novel, but unfortunately it seems like it's coming true in our time. At least there are certainly some disturbing aspects that are uh, rearing their heads in our day. I present as evidence Cambridge Dictionary's decision to redefine both man and woman. Here's what they say. The definition of woman now states that a woman is an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. <laughs> and the Cambridge definition of a man has been similarly changed to an adult who lives and identifies as male, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. Now, what's going on here? Clearly, the old definition, which would be something along the lines of a woman has a pair of X chromosomes and is capable of bearing children in most instances, that has been thrown out the window. Now, how do we deal with this? Well, as Christians, we need to see and hold fast to the truth that God said, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's from Genesis. The fact is, God's creation of men and women began back then, and there was a clear differentiation. And of course, even if you don't believe in Genesis, you can see from the world around us, from the animal kingdom, that we would have no animals, we'd have no people if we didn't have male and female. And if we had arbitrary definitions of male and female that were really true, we would never reproduce. Now the fact is, Orwell's vision is unfortunately coming true in our day. Something that Dostoevsky said in the Brothers Karamazov makes a lot of sense, too much sense. One of his characters said, if God does not exist, everything is permitted. And when you think about it, we were told maybe 10 years ago, oh, in regards to gay marriage, we just want to be equal. 
we want to have the same kind of marriages that everyone else has. It's not that we're going to redefine sex or anything else. We just want to be on equal legal footing with everyone else. And so many people, maybe against their better judgment, said, okay, there's no slippery slope here. You can have your marriage. And now, just a few years later, (laughs) that's clearly not enough, even though we just had the Respect for Marriage Act signed into law by President Biden. The fact is, the problem and the challenge goes much deeper. As Dostoevsky said, if God does not exist, everything is permitted. And that's where we are right now. Everything, including our definition of male and female, men and women, is up for grabs. And it's not a matter of chromosomes or reproduction or anything else. It's what the person identifies as. In other words, what they think of about who they are is what is determinative. I suppose a person could identify as a lizard or a horse. And if that's what they believe they really are, if biological reality doesn't count or it's secondary, then that's what they are. And if you say, well, that could never happen, then I say, well, who would have thought 10 or 15 years ago that we would throw definitions of male and female that have been here for thousands of years right out the window? these days about people transitioning, say, from a man into a woman or a woman into a man. And I don't want to deal with that topic right now. That's a topic for another time. I would, however, like to take a look at someone's transition from a Christian to a card-carrying advocate of psychedelic drugs. I'm speaking, of course, of Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers quarterback who said that he had a life-changing experience with something called ayahuasca in Peru in 2020, and he's continuing to talk about it. Rogers, as you may or may not know, was raised in a Christian home. He said his parents forced him to go to church. He was part of young life, but then he said as he got older, he began to question his beliefs. And in recent years, he's actually criticized uh, the Christian faith, at least the faith that he was brought up in. And Various press reports say that he no longer speaks with his parents, who, speaking from the perspective of a Christian father, probably heartbroken at his change in belief or change of heart or his public rejection of their faith. This week, Rogers was on a podcast and was asked if he feared death. That's a pretty good question. And Rogers actually said that he did not. And that's because he had started taking that drug in Peru, ayahuasca, where he said, I had a major fear of death. There was a lot of weird sentiment around Y2K. Remember that? The world was going to end. For me personally, since I was a young teenager, I was like, man, if the world ends and I'm 16, I'm not going to be able to accomplish anything I want to accomplish. So he was afraid of death because he wouldn't be able to do what he wanted to do in his life. And that's understandable. It's a a limited perspective of a, a young teenager. 
but he said this drug is a psychoactive drink called ayahuasca, a psychedelic drug. Psilocybin relieved a lot of his fear of death. He says it relieved a lot of the stress around the idea of needing to accomplish things before I actually die, kind of taking away some of that fear. He added, I think when you've seen the other side, it makes the idea as more of a passage and less of an ending, more of just kind of the next chapter of life. Well, it appears to me that Aaron Rodgers has either forgotten what he learned in his Christian upbringing or he's actively suppressing it because that's not the way the Bible teaches about death and about, as he says, the next chapter of life. Jesus was very clear that there are two places that you go heaven or hell, they all depend on what you do with Christ in this life. I'm disappointed, yes, that Aaron Rodgers has left his childhood faith. That's a tragedy. Maybe I can only hope and pray that this is a temporary aberration for a man who is searching for deeper answers in his life. But I would also say I'm disappointed that he keeps talking about drugs as a role model, he should know that a lot of young people who look up to him as a football hero are going to be interested enough to try it, either because he's a great football player or because maybe they too are afraid of death. And it also encourages young people to experiment with drugs. And we don't want that. That is a, a bad thing. We already have youth addiction problems in this country, particularly since the pandemic. And we don't need supposed role models like Aaron Rodgers extolling the benefits of this. If Aaron Rodgers wants to know about death, he should open up his Bible again if he still has it. And I'd like to close with these uh, compelling thoughts from uh, the great theologian R.C. Sproul, who died a couple of years ago. And he knew he was dying, and he affirmed again the good news of the gospel, of belief in Christ who died for our sins and rose again. Here's what R.C. said. When we close our eyes in death, we do not cease to be alive. Rather, we experience a continuation of personal consciousness. No person is more conscious, more aware, and more alert than when he passes through the veil from this world into the next. Far from falling asleep, we are awakened to glory and all of its significance. For the believer, death does not have the last word. Death has surrendered to the conquering power of the one who was resurrected as the firstborn of many brethren. That's R.C. Sproul about death. And his words give me something to think about. And I hope they give you something to think about as well. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on The Loop with Stan Guthrie.